Hello everybody, Mula here, uh, with a little disclaimer before we start this episode. So apparently while doing the live recording, my Audacity thought it was a good idea to change my microphone to my webcam microphone. So you might notice some, uh, some worse audio uh, quality on my end for this episode. Um, Lex tried to fix it as best as she could with what she had, but uh, yeah, it, it will be a decline from other episodes. If you want to get the best audio, I would suggest uh, just checking out the video on our YouTube channel, uh, which should have just my microphone audio with it. So yeah, apologies and uh, enjoy this episode on Metroid 2. On this episode of This Is Game Boy, I would tell you a Metroid joke, but I ran out of time. Hello everyone, and RGLTV, this is our... I mean, first live RGL episode. We'll say we'll say it that way. First live RGL episode. Um, third live episode in total. First two being Nubo and Spider Man. Part. But part uh, two. Yeah. yeah. So before we dive into all the other stuff, Mo, what have you been up to? Um, well, I have been doing quite a lot of gaming, um, especially if you are looking at my notes as well. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a recording because we took like a long break with the holidays and we had everything already recorded. And I think it's been like two months that I even recorded anything on my own as well. So um, yeah, I've been playing quite a lot of games, so I'm not going to dive into a lot of these I'm, I'm just gonna touch on some of them that i thought are interesting to talk about um but i've been playing a lot of steam games that i had lying around for probably years because that's how steam goes you buy something and then you never touch it actually um so let's go over <laughs> over those real quick um there were actually two games that got gifted to me over the past few sales one called monamur uh which is French for, like, my sweetheart or my love. Um, and one called Vampire Survivors. They're both uh, two kind of brainless games, short brainless games, but they are really fun to play, very, very addictive uh, to play. Um, if you're looking for something really quick and fun, go check those out. Um, I mean, I, I really like them, uh, and I completed both of them, so... Uh. Um, after that, I finally played through the entirety of Secret Agent, HD version, that is, if you can call it HD. Uh, that's the old DOS game by Apogee. Uh, it's really fun. Like, it's my favorite DOS game of all time. Um, it has the three episodes that came out in the past, and it also has, uh, a new episode that the HD remaster team, uh, put into it. Um. If you see a screenshot of it, you probably know it. If if you ever had a computer when you were uh, when you were little, um, after that I played Phantasmagoria. Uh, that's a that's a great game. 
Um, like, I always heard it was... How do you say it? Like... Ridiculous? Which it kinda is, but... but it, Over the top? Mm, well, it, I don't know. I, I think it's a really good game, actually. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Is the acting great? No. But... I don't know. It's it's made by Sierra, so they always knew what they were doing when it came to like point and click games. And I'm really terrible at point and click games, and I was able to finish it, so I'm already happy about that. Um, after that, I played There Is No Game Wrong Dimension. If you don't know what that is, uh, check it out. Like you can't describe that game. It's it's so because there is no game. Yeah, there there actually is no game, so it's not even a game, but. Uh, yeah, amazing. It's it's really awesome. And there's also a free jam edition if you want to check it out so you know what you're getting into. Um, also play through the Dread X Collection 1, 2, and 3. That's like a bunch of horror games in like a jam session as well. They're all super short. They got put together in the collection with an uh, overarching team, basically. Um, it's kind of like those... PS horror game disc, PS1 horror game disc that they're like releasing. Uh, it's, it's stuff like that. It's really cool. If it's so super varied, uh, it, it's horror themed. It's not always really horror, uh, but the, I, it, those are awesome games. But be aware that all of them are buggy because, well, it's like ten different developers, and then somebody has to paste them all together into one game. That's it's yeah. Sometimes. Uh, Stuff will uh, go wrong. Um, I also played You Will Not Remain, which is a free game on Steam. It's a 20-minute horror game. Um, and then the biggest one I'm playing right now, which I do kind of want to talk more about, is uh, Jimmy and the Pulsating Mass, uh, which is only available on, on Steam. Um, probably nobody has ever heard of that game. And if you have and you played it, congratulations, because you just played one of the most interesting RPGs from the past, like, five years, maybe. Um, it's kind of structured like an Earthbound game. So that's all you need to know, basically. Um, it, it has a very funny but also deep story. Um, it has paint-like graphics. Which may sound bad, but it actually works for the aesthetic that it that it has. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I recommend it. it. It's not on sale a lot, but it's also only fifteen dollars or euros. Um, and I can highly recommend it if you like Earthbound style RPGs. So, um, wow, I have so many games that I've played. Um, so on Game Boy, actually. Um, Wizardry. What? Wizardry one. Yeah, Wizardry Gaiden one. Absolutely hate it. Wish it never existed in the first place. Uh, wish it didn't have a translation, so I wouldn't have to play it. It is not for me at all. And I understand that a lot of people like these types of games, but for me, it's absolutely the worst thing I've ever played in my life. Um, and I'm still like forty hours away of beating it, even. Uh, and that's way too... I still need to scan that manual for you so you can read it. No, that, I don't even need the manual because every <laughs> it has so many things going on for it that you wouldn't even know if you've never played D&D. &D. Um, 
That's true. And it, it has all of these mechanics that are hidden and nothing in this game gets explained at all. Like, the game even came with a 180-page guide in Japan. That's how convoluted it is to play it. And, yeah, if you don't... And the manual's 54 pages Yeah, that's long. that as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's not for me. I really know people like Wizardry uh, as a series, but this is... Yeah, it's it's agony for me. <laughs> like I don't want to play it, but <laughs> now I started it, so I guess I have to finish it. Um, I did play through the Incredible Crash Dummy on Game Boy, which is what a dumb game. Which is a uh, it's it's five mini games basically that you have to do four times. Uh, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it actually. Um, it gets really tough near the end, especially the space levels. And yeah, I don't know. It's a fun game for me, but. Yeah. It would have been better if it didn't have an actual ending, I think. Like, if it, if it was just get as far as you can, but uh, yeah. It's four weeks of work, basically, so you have to go through four loops. Uh, and I get... It's interesting, too, because it's super different than the NES version. Like, it's not a platformer. Like, you have to collect money to progress through the game. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's for your high score, uh, which is totally not important, but... Yeah, you just have to get through all the all the stages, and it gets it gets pretty tough. Um, I've also played PowerPoint Presentation 2000 on Game Boy, uh, also known as Baseball 2000. Um, what a good game! It wasn't that terrible, but sadly, yeah, it's 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 literally a slideshow, which makes the game not that fun to play. And I think it took me like three hours or four hours to beat it like it's pretty long even uh but yeah everybody knows phaseball uh, it's also on super nintendo i hope it runs better on super nintendo but uh yeah I, the, the game boy one it, it's just not it's amazing that it works but it doesn't work well i guess but you can play with 16 people. <laughs> you the you could play with 16 people, which I... If you can find 16, <laughs> 15 other people to play with. Yeah, and it's probably also uh, even slower, I would imagine. Uh, could you imagine... <laughs> Could you imagine sixteen people with like the with like six four scores trying to play baseball with one another? Yeah, I don't... Oh, that'd be awful. I don't think it would work at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah... I, I mean, otherwise, it's 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 a f perfectly fine game, uh, but yeah. Uh, and then I played a new released Game Boy game called The Shapeshifter, and it's absolutely bonkers, amazing. Um, still have to yeah, put on crazy good the uh, video on my YouTube. Uh, but yeah, wow, what a game! Uh, of course, it has some issues because it's like homebrew and. Game Boy Studio wasn't that great yet, so when it comes to hitboxes in that game, it's a little wonky, but otherwise it's like absolutely, absolutely amazing, and I can't wait for a sequel to uh, eventually come out. Oh. It's supposed to be out this year. Yeah, by the end of the year, normally. On two cartridges. Yeah, I don't know how that is going to work, but uh, yeah, that... Yeah, I don't know either. It, it, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, Shapeshifter 2 is supposed to come out end of this year. Two cartridge game. It, I think the Kickstarter ended, like, what, a month ago for it? Uh, 
yes and no. It might still be the, like open, so to it speak. It is open. But... You can still support it. it it's in the GoGo, not the Kickstarter. Uh, they, I think they were different. Oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Same difference. Man, and then a few more games. Jesus, like I don't know where I found the time. You need to, to go outside. <laughs> yeah, these were all short games, so. Um, <laughs> so I played Phantom 2040 and Blade on Game Boy Color because uh, the big Mike over here gave them for Secret Santa, uh, which we had on RGL a little while back. I played through both of them and I, I really, really enjoyed both of them. Especially Phantom is really cool and it has like 48 different endings. Which is something I didn't think was even possible on a Super Nintendo game, but uh, uh, crazy. Like, I didn't even get the best ending, apparently. Uh, you have so many choices to make, and they all branch out. It's it's like a complete tree of paths to take. It's crazy. But, wow, what an amazing game. Uh, what else did I play? Um, Lego DC Super Villains. PlayStation 4 version. It's fun for a while. And then it gets really just like every other lady. Yeah, then it get, just gets it's fun for like an hour, and then it's boring. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I completed it. it. It was fine. Like I didn't think I would have that much fun with it. But yeah, it's they are all the same basically, uh, just with, with other uh, properties basically. Um, and then the worst thing I've played: uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team Bros. Um, I love Mario and Luigi. Like the, the series, I know <laughs> the characters as well, I guess. Uh, but the series is really cool. Like, I, I loved the, G the GBA ones. Uh, I liked Bowser's Inside Story, and I think there was another one on DS. Uh, but this one, wow. Again, great music, great gameplay, great... Uh, yeah, great graphics. Like, everything you could dream of. But it's like a 40-hour tutorial, and it worked on my nerves. Like, every time you go to a new area and you get something new, and it keeps going and keeps going. Like, at hour 39, I got another tutorial. And I was like, stop it. It's enough. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They tried to do so many things, and they all work, but... It's, it's just too much. Like, for me, this is the worst out of the entire series, for sure. Um, and I, I do not recommend it. I recommend all the other ones, but definitely not this one. Whew. Okay, that was my entire list, so... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, what have you been up to? Uh, as mentioned in the light episode that isn't out yet, um, I played and beat Metroid Dread. <clears throat> which uh, a lot of people know my opinion about that game. Uh, <laughs> I platinumed Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, played through the Assassin's Creed 3 DLC, King Washington, the tyranny of King Washington, so an alternate reality instead of George Washington leading the United States into battle and everything else. After the Americas beat the, the British, George Washington becomes king and basically runs hell through through earth in america and you have to kill king king george washington <laughs> kind of an interesting dlc um 
Played and beat Turnip. Uh, 100%ed too. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. Um, very. It's a, it's a game you wouldn't think would be good, but it ha- it's very cute. Pretty short, and it plays like an old Zelda, like a like like a Link to the Past. It's actually kind of kind of fun. That's cool. Um, that played days before Christmas for the Super Nintendo. Uh, the European exclusive game. Lunar Journey, which uh, Mo talked about, Shapeshifter. Uh, I played and finished Lunar Journey, who is by the same creator, one of his earlier games, uh, Green Boy games. <clears throat> then I played Dormon Nobita no Dor- Dorabian Knight on the <laughs> TurboGrafx-16. Um, the game is, the bosses are easy until you get to the Haunted World. Then that game is impossible. And the Haunted World is like the third stage. So That's pretty quick. <laughs> once you get past the Haunted World, the rest of the game is easy. The Haunted World is brutal. <laughs> um, Darkwing Duck for the TurboGrafx-16, which honestly not as bad as most people say it is. Uh, the gun is just useless. Uh, so you just Mario your way through the entire game. <laughs> then I played Sailor Moon on the Game Gear twice. Because I found out that the two different game modes give you two different endings. You can play as either Sailor Moon or Chibiusa, and both have different power levels and have different endings. That's Don't know anything about Chibiusa. That's after my time of Sailor Moon. I know nothing about Sailor Moon. Uh, then we did the bunker for Haunt Hunters, right? So we did that. Yeah. Um, I played Pine Creek recently. Uh, Pine Creek Game Boy. It's a Game Boy Game Boy Color homebrew. Uh, it's a horror-inspired game, and it was, I thought it was a game I originally was going to submit for the RGL Horror Marathon if we were to have it again. But after uh, the after the the end of the game was revealed, I was like, well, probably not going to submit that to a marathon at all. Uh, the content, the the ending contents is a. Uh, it's it's a good game. It's disturbing, but uh, it's yeah. Yeah, not not for <laughs> if you it. think if you think if you think skinning humans was was rough, then you wouldn't like the ending of Pine Creek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. A lot more disturbing. Uh, and I'm recently playing through Pokemon Legends, that Arceus game right now, which uh, I about threw my controller through the wall last night playing it. So that sounds good. It's the it's the it's a tutorial thing. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> I, I'm done with tutorials. Um, so I'm, I'm good. By the way, the game is fun beyond having to do the story stuff. But the game is I actually really enjoy the open worldness of the game. But um, and then obviously WoW Classic Phase Three just came out. So Black Temple, Mount Hyjal, all that stuff came out for those of you that play WoW. Um, so a lot of my time gets consumed into that. Side projects, I recently just got a mister, so I've been dicking around with that for like the last month and a half. Um, been trying to do some art stuff. Manual scanning for legs, finally, because <laughs> she kind of got fed up with me, finally. Uh, I finished a curb, uh, the first volume of the Kirby manga, now I'm reading the second one. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still quite a lot. Like my list sounded long, but again, those were mostly very short games. So uh, 
Yeah, like Assassin's Creed Three was like a seventy-hour platinum. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know, and I'm and I'm one to platinum those games. Um. So, but yeah, no, that's all I've been up to. Um. Kirby in March. That's probably the only game I'm looking forward to this year so far. Is the new Kirby game, so I can be disappointed. Yeah, true. Actually, I don't, I don't have anything on my uh, anything on my, uh, well, not an actual wish list, but like in my head, like I'm not looking forward to anything really. Kirby looks interesting. I just hope open world. Well, it's not. I I just wonder if it would work properly for a Kirby title, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, oh, I guess there's a couple homebrews I'm looking forward to. Um, the Machine is coming out for pre-order in a couple weeks, which is like a, it's a, it's a, I, wanna say, I don't, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic, but it's a world that basically humans has built their way out of existence, essentially. Um, so just machines run the world. So it's, think of like, um, uh, Demolition Man, where like a bunch of people live underground, and above the ground is a bunch of, like rich people, and like everything is super automated. It's a very similar concept to that, right? And it's it's all Taco Bell owned. Yeah, everything's Taco yeah. Bell. Yeah, or Pizza Hut in Europe, because we didn't have Taco Bell, so they changed everything to Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, actually, actually That's true. Good. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and then gelatinous. From John Rue is supposed to come out, I think, in March. Uh, John Rue did a homebrew game called uh, Quest Arrest for the Game Boy, uh, which was a very Pokemon inspired, crime based game. Uh, actually, really fun. A uh, lot of a lot of bugs to it, but it was a very fun game with multiple endings. And him, he partnered up with someone else to release Gelatinous, which is coming out in March. And that Kickstarter ended mid last year, something like that. Uh, and then obviously Shapeshifter too. Like I've been looking forward to that sequel for a while. So yeah, I, I need to back it so I can get uh, a copy of it, and then sell it on eBay for millions of dollars. Absolutely. That's, apparently, that's what people do now: <laughs> is that they buy physical homebrew copies and sell them on eBay for four times the price, even though like half the world has never heard of them. Yeah, scal scalping <laughs> man. It's. Uh... So it's dumb. been getting worse and worse. So. It's so dumb. like I went to like go get a copy of Deadius before it was re-released on physical, and it was like three hundred dollars for a copy of Deadius. I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna spend three hundred dollars on a copy of Deadius. Then I ended up buying a copy of Deadius for like thirty dollars from I forgot who, and then Incubate Games re-released the physical copy for like forty bucks, or you can get the collector's <laughs> edition for like two hundred. I'm like I'm like I don't need stickers and a poster. Like this version works just fine for me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I would like to have it, but sadly, Incubate Games is located in Canada, and I would get yeah. uh, screwed over by customs. Like I had the same thing with Genesis. There, so. there is one cool thing, though, with homebrew games that I do like, and it's a lot of like the small detail to attention. It's like on the Pine Creek cartridge. On the Pine Creek cartridge, they, like, made custom PCB boards. So, like, right above the label, you can see, like, Incubate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And then on the back, it shows the symbol of like the ritual in the game. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's actually so really like cool. it's it's really cool. Like the attention to details to some of the stuff in this homebrew like market is actually really damn cool. Um, but you know, is it is it worth the is it worth forty dollars or is it worth a hundred dollars? Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, right? like, like fifty to sixty dollars, I would say fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, it's it's up to you as a collector. But like for me, for example, like I try to get them early while they're cheaper, because it, the longer they stay on the market, the more like, more expensive they seemingly get. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to take a super uber short break. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to dive into Metroid 2. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I don't know what... Oh, I need to put... Hope you enjoy that really crappy title song from uh, Metroid 2 where it takes three hours for any music to come through. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, oh, first one. We'll choose the title screen. Ding, ding. Okay, well, that's a good song to start with, so... It is not a good... Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just... Yeah, whatever. It ain't no metal... It ain't no Metal Master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an atmospheric song, not an actual, like, oh, song boy. song, I guess. I don't want atmosphere with my songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Metroid 2. Uh, Return of Samus. So, released in November of 1991 in America. May 21st, 1992 in Europe, and January 21st, 1991 in Japan. So, pretty normal. Japan gets the game about a year in advance between the West. <laughs> uh, kind of crazy days. So you guys didn't get yours till 92, though. That's pretty... That's pretty <laughs> late, honestly, because usually, like, the <clears throat> American and European releases around the same time or a, a, a few months apart yeah i think the main reason was because this was basically uh besides donkey kong 94 like one of two games that that promoted a lot together with the super game boy um so that, oh, yeah, I suppose. like it's not super game boy enhanced at all but like unlike donkey kong but uh like if, if you have the book i should have 
picked it off my shelf. Uh, the book that came with the Super Game Boy, like Metroid, is like the prime example in that one for like how to choose your own colors for different settings and things like that. So uh, that, I, I think too, that's probably that, why. Because the color settings for this game are atrociously ugly. The standard um, ones, you mean? Yeah, like like just a well, I, just like the plain Jane right. ones. Like I actually like the like the bright yellow and red. Yeah, yeah, that's like, it's palette. an amazing uh, Super Game Boy color scheme you can use for. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, developed and published by Nintendo. Like this is, this is what the ninety one. This would be the second Metroid game. This is the second the Super Metroid. I don't think came out yet. Nope. So this would be the actual second Metroid game to come out, uh, composed by Ryoji Yoshitomi, which actually is still doing stuff to this day. Kind of crazy to think that a man from what nineteen ninety ish, because his first game was F one Race, so ninety one, <clears throat> and he's still doing composing for Nintendo games up until today, because his most recent game was Mario Party Superstars, which was released last year Yeah, for the Switch. So, Yeah, part of um, the original R1-D1 team. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th those are mostly people that still just work at Nintendo till, till this day. Oh. oh, he did the Samus Return music, too, for the, was it the 3DS or whatever That's it was? the 3DS one, yeah. Yeah. We'll say he does a lot of Mario stuff now, though. Mario Party, Mario Tennis, Paper Mario, the Origami King, which I've never played yet. Me neither. So, uh, it's cool that he still, he was actually, you know, credited and uh, still doing work to this day. Because a lot of composers don't get credited in these early Game Boy games. I mean, hell, even throughout the entire Game Boy life cycle, a lot of people don't get credited mm -hmm. in a lot of these games. So, <clears throat> it's a lot of digging for some crazy stuff. Like, um, Jason Austin, again, an example. Like, I've used this man a thousand times in our episodes because he's the only developer I actually so actively talk to. You know, he did um, Alien 3... And among other games too, but it's like a lot of that stuff isn't credited. And he's just like, Yeah, we had five weeks to roll out a game. Like, you want us to put everyone's name involved? It's like three people. Like, why would we do that type deal? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. And then there are just some publishers that just don't do it because they just announce it as like the team. It's like, you know, Sega Black team, you know, or whatever it may be. So, yeah, and a lot in, in Japan, it's cred cred back then was weird. Yeah, in Japan, it was just because they had to be anonymous. So, it's it's yeah. like those those weird names that you see in credits, you still have no idea who they are, basically. That's why they have a lot of pen names in Japan. Yeah. So, um, Genre Metroid and all yes, that. the genre of Metroidvania. Is Metroid. It's not a Metroidvania because there's not a Belmont involved. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> for those of you who have been listening in the past, you know how much I hate that term. So, yeah, I made made sure to put Metroid as a genre in our notes. 
Like, uh, like a Met- Metroid is just an adventure game. It like, is, yeah. It is an like Metroid game. isn't even its own genre. Yeah. It's just an ad- an action adventure game. Yeah, indeed. That's all it is. <laughs> Fucking Jeremy Parrish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mister Mister Story. Yeah, whew, this is a long one. Uh, we know Lex loves uh, these long ones. She usually puts some kind of song in the background. You you can probably take the Metroid intro song, to be honest, to put on the background of it. That's that's very atmospheric for sure. You didn't like it the first time. Yeah. You're not like it the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we can still change for the for the actual audio episode. We can still change know. the music. Uh, but yeah, this is like four pages, so that's a lot for people who maybe want to... See, this is the thing. These are the things we can do live, though. So, uh, I want a I want a narrator voice too. <laughs> no text. <laughs> In the year two thousand. So yeah, if if you want to check out the manual, there it is. That's where the story is uh, is located. So <clears throat> the Metroid story. All right. In the year 2000 of the history of the cosmos, representatives of many different planets in the galaxy established a congress called the Galactic Federation. A successful exchange of cultures and civilization resulted, and thousands of interstellar spaceships ferried back and forth between planets. When space pirates appeared to attack the spaceship, the Federation Bureau created the Galactic Federation Police. There are many unknown planets throughout the galaxy, Many of these are causes of concern to the Galactic Federation. To take care of this, they employ space hunters, the greatest of which is Samus Aran. Samus' greatest achievement has been the destruction of the pirates, the space pirates, I guess, uh, Metroid's plans on the planet Z- Nobody knows how to pronounce the planet. It's either Zabes or Zebes. I'm gonna go with Zebes. I'm gonna go with Zebes. In the, it's always Zebes. Yeah. In the year 20x5 of the cosmos, an unknown life form was discovered on planet SR388 by a Galactic Federation deep space research ship. The research crew took a sample of the creature and placed it into a suspended animation stasis capsule and dubbed the life form Metroid. On their way back to their home base, the research ship was attacked by pirates who stole the stasis capsule containing the life form. The Metroid in suspended animation could easily be brought back to life, and exposure to beta rays was all that was needed to cause it to multiply. This highly dangerous creature will cling to any other creature and suck away its victim's energy. Samus, by order of the Galactic Federal Police, successfully and single-handedly penetrated the Space Pirate's natural fortress on the planet Seabees. After a series of intense battles, Samus destroyed all the Metroids she encountered. Her destructive of the reacti- oh, her destruction, my apologies, of the reactivated mother brain at the center of the fortress crushed the pirate's evil plans. We're not done yet. <laughs> Jesus. After serious consideration of how terrible and destructive the Metroid lifeform was, the Galactic Federation sent another research ship to SR388. This trip was to make sure there were no more Metroids left on the planet. After a short time, the Federation received an emergency notice from the research base. They had lost contact and the research ship was missing. The base had already sent a search and rescue party, but after their initial contact, the rescue ship was not heard from again. A special combat group was assembled consisting of armed soldiers from the Federation Police and was immediately dispatched to SR-388. 
After transmitting their primary landing data, they also were never heard from. Rumors spread fast and again the whole galaxy was seized with the fear of Metroids. With this limited information, the Federation was positive that a Metroid must still be surviving hiding deep in the planet underground. Even one living Metroid could easily wipe out an entire planetary civilization. So the Galactic Federation called its members to an urgent conference to find a way to overcome this menace. They quickly came to one conclusion, which was unanimous and simple. Give Samus Aran the order to exterminate the Metroids. The underworld of the planet, SR388, is a complicated structure of multi-layered domes and spaces. Some of these contain the ancient ruins of some unknown civilization. These are home to many life forms living on the planet. Samus, charged with her mission from the Galactic Federation, hurried to the planet SR388. Samus's confrontation with the Metroids has started again. You must help Samus save the galaxy from the Metroids. Whew, there we go. And that's all the story you will ever get in this entire game because they just didn't do that back then. And that wasn't the purpose either. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. The animation's nicely done, at least too. The manual, one of the nicer, nicer manuals we've we've gotten to look at. It's a really good manual, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right. Well, now that you know the plot behind the game and uh, why Samus needs to go and commit uh, genocide to a bunch of things on the planet, uh, the game controls. So obviously it's a Game Boy game, so pretty basic, you know, you got two buttons. Uh, your D-pad moves you around, just like, you know, everything else in the, in the world. Um, double down is Morph Ball, which is a little interesting. Uh, that one took a little bit to actually get used to. Uh, triple down is your Spider Ball, which, again, was a little interesting and kind of tough to get used mm. to. Um Select switches to missiles, and your B button will either fire your hand cannon or your missiles, uh, and B button and ball form will drop your your bombs. Um, it's interesting that they decided to use the D-pad so much for transformation. Because uh, if, if you play various other games with like transformations like Trip World, uh, it utilizes a combination of controls, like up B, a down B, whatever it may be, instead of relying on, you know, a double or a triple press, uh, which I have accidentally turned into a ball multiple times in my playthrough because I accidentally doubled down on down and <laughs> get mad. So, <laughs> but uh, it is a little interesting that with the controls the way they are. Um, it, takes a, it does take a little bit to get used to, to start. Uh, but your items are, honestly, your pretty general Metroid items, at least during this time in 1991. Uh, you have your Morph Ball, which, well, allows you to morph into a ball. Um, your Bombs, your Spider Ball. You have Spring Ball, which you don't need it. You know, it's like a Metroid game where you don't need every item to beat the game, but it does help you. It is um, very Your various suit. Yeah, you have your various suit. Uh, your high jump boots, your space jump, your screw attack. Um, 
your missile pods, which you kind of need for like the, the final boss, basically. Um, your energy tanks, which obviously the more health you have, the more you can just run through the screen and not worry about anything. Um, your weapon upgrades, you have the wave beam, which is absolutely just useless in my opinion. Um, <laughs> this, the, the, the laser beam, the plasma beam, and the ice beam. Uh, I found the ice beam to be one of the better weapons for how I play, but I'm also a weird person how I play these types of games. Yeah. So yeah, as, as you can hear so far, this is all very typical of any Metroid game you might have ever played, really. Um, I guess most people just know Super Metroid. Um, in my opinion, the... Which again, is pretty similar to Super Metroid as well, too. They didn't really deviate from the norm no. until like the Prime series. True. Yeah, even even Fusion and, and the remake, Zero Mission, they all stay in the same vein, of course. Uh, but yeah, you have some new things in here. I mean, you can't just do Metroid NES again, because in my opinion, that wasn't the best game to begin with. Um, it, it's, it, it's a little too uh, esoteric for my taste. I, I've played it multiple times, but like... For me, that is definitely the weakest of the Metroid series. Uh, but yeah, you have a new, few... Uh, <laughs> sometimes I can talk. <laughs> a few new things in this game. Uh, Spring Ball definitely is new. Uh, that's something you didn't have in the original Metroid. Uh, it allows you to jump while you are um, in the Morph Ball. Um, the Spider Ball is completely unique to this game, even. Uh, it's used to scale walls uh you can cling to them uh you can climb up yeah, walls with it with the more roll up walls yeah. rather um sadly coming back to the controls as well it's weird like it, it has one of those things where if you keep pressing the same button you will keep going forward or backwards uh along a wall but the moment you stop pressing it it suddenly changes to like right is actually right but you have to press up to go upwards and otherwise you wouldn't be able to do that so it's it's not really yep. great in my opinion how it works luckily you don't use it that often um it's only used for like a few sure. few things here and there um yeah the various suit that was available in in uh, in the original Metroid as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Super Metroid was the first one that had uh, the gravity suit, actually. Um, high jump boots were in Metroid. I think Space Jump was in Metroid, but Screw Attack wasn't. Or the other way around. One of the two is not in the original Metroid. Uh, but everybody loves a Screw Attack, of course. It's like <laughs> the best item you can get in the game, really. Um, it's like the most known icon for Metroid. Yeah. So, other than the actual Metroid. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, the missile pots and the energy tanks are available um, in lesser capacity than uh, at least Super Metroid. Um, I don't know about the NES one. I don't remember how many upgrades for your missiles there are in there. Uh, but in this case, if you want to play the game as it's supposed to be played, you kind of need all the missile upgrades uh, in the game. Because, yeah, <laughs> the final boss absolutely needs him. I think you can miss like 10 times. Uh, and otherwise you are, quote-unquote, 
screwed. You have to rest well restart the fight, not restart the game. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, when it comes to weapon upgrades, I think only two of these or three of these were available in the original Metroid, so they definitely added one. I, th I think the plasma beam might be new. Um, that's the strongest one out of the three, and the ice beam is just used, of course, uh, for freezing enemies. Uh, in my opinion, plasma beam is the weapon I go with. Uh, ice beam I actually don't use, except for when you Plasma beam to. wasn't bad either, yeah. Yeah. The wave beam, though, is just awful and just should be avoided. What a garbage goddamn gun. Yeah, that's the first thing you come across for sure. It's better than your normal weapon because it does do more Barely. damage, but it, it's it's kind of, yeah, it, it's <laughs> like, it's weird If in you can this hit one. something with it, it's <laughs> yeah. better than your original weapon. Yeah, it's very weird in this one, but yeah, I always go for the plasma beam as soon as I can pick it up until the end of the game and then I switch over to the ice beam because, again, like in the original Metroid, you can only have one weapon at a time. Uh, in this case, yeah. so you do have to switch them out. Yeah, I like the ice beam just because, like, my style of playing is I very much run and gun, but like, there are a lot of times where, like I'll approach a room and it's like I don't need to fight this room at all, or I don't need to farm anything, and I just ice beam my way through it all. That way, I don't take damage, I can just get out of there as fast as possible. Um, so I'm very much a an ice beam user. Plus, yeah. I used to speedrun the first Metroid, and I was an, an ice beamer in the first Metroid as well, so that kind of carried over. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to <laughs> these weapon upgrades, and this is like kind of spoiler alert, but also not really, um, at the end of... Well, at, at like 80% done with the game, you find the room where you can find all of these weapons, so you can just pick whichever one you... Uh, you like best i guess uh and unlike the original metroid where you had to go back a long ways to pick up the ice beam because you needed to kill the the normal metroids i guess they're called uh like the ones that just came out of the egg um yeah the baby metroid. yeah the, yeah it's it's not even baby but it, it's like the normal version of them um slightly mature so yeah you again need it in this game of course but it, it's right at the end where you need it so um that's a big improvement over the original one where you have to like backtrack to get it uh, so yeah it's there if you need it so that's yeah. that's really i awesome. will say the layout overall in metroid 2 destroys metroid 1's layout yep like the actual like metroid 1 being the first metroid obviously right but like metroid 2 like they definitely learned from their mistakes and definitely made the game better so yeah um mechanics of the game so each area consists of its own maze it's its own <laughs> metroidvania style oh, <laughs> Um, you need so in this game instead of going around and killing Kraid and Ripley and you know God knows what Mother Brain at the end you know whatever it may be like instead of having like the static like three bosses that you typically would have basically throughout the rest of the Metroid franchise, um, this game takes a pretty different approach and you actually have to take out the Metroids uh, instead. So how like in the end of Metroid One where you had to kill the moderately matured metroids 
uh, towards the end before you get into Mother Brain. Uh, this time around, they are your they are your main antagonist in this game, and you have to take them all out. Um, in this game, there's something like what, like forty Metroids that you have to kill, thirty nine, something like that. Thirty nine, yeah. So in each section, you have to hunt. You have to hunt down these Metroids. You need to find your suit upgrades, which I'll complain about that in a minute. Um, Mo knows my complaint about that already. <laughs> um, um, and then basically the area when a, an earthquake will occur and then any liquid and stuff like that in certain parts will lower down, allowing you to go deeper into uh, ZBs as well too, to keep uh, taking out more more Metroid uh, things along the way. And the Metroids aren't just your standard, like, little Metroids that hatch out. Like, you have different various types of Metroids, which I think we'll cover here in a minute. Um, so it's not just your basic, like, I'm going to shoot five missiles into this Metroid and kill it type deal. It does progressively get harder as you go through the game. Um, and if you are ill-prepared, you will certainly die. So... Um, save points in this game aren't, like, your big, like, save rooms as they would be in Super Metroid or things like that, where you have this grandiose, like, you stand on a platform and a beam shows up and you save your game that way. Um, they don't count as recharge stations either, so you don't get to recharge your health or anything like, anything like that at all. Uh, you have to find, like, these, like, hidden missile batteries or whatever you want to call them, um... And, like, energy balls to recharge your stuff. Uh, a few Metroid games took this approach uh, later on, where, like, the, the, hell, the save wasn't the recharge. The save was just simply a save. Um, so otherwise, you can just farm yourself. There's plenty of regular enemies in this game to kill, especially early on. So you shouldn't have an issue... At least farming missiles in this game. Yeah. Um, really, all I got about mechanics. <laughs> it's a, I mean, if you've played Metroid One, you kind of understand the gist of what to do with Metroid Two. It's you enter an area of a planet, and you explore it. You find the secrets. You find your upgrades. Find what your main objective is. In this case, your main objective is to kill the Metroids. Once doing so, the game notices, like, okay, hey, you're ready to progress. Something happens where it either will suddenly show you in the game or a new path will open or something will happen, letting you know that you need to move on. So in this case here, most of the time it's it's an earthquake saying, hey, we've lowered some liquid for you. Keep diving deeper into the planet. So, Yeah, and that, that was really a brilliant idea to come up with yeah. um not only because yes this is a game boy game so everything has to be a little bit more compact i guess and and, and like in shorter bursts of somebody playing okay we all play 10 hours a day <laughs> don't don't kid yourself but uh like normally you would play handheld games in like short bursts so they did it really well by setting up like a part of the planet you can explore and you can save after you're done with that part and then move on to the next part later on. So, um, yep. And it was also just a big improvement over the first one where it was just like 
you can basically go anywhere. Good luck. Um, which yeah. was a little bit basically. Too it's like random. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I came across this giant dragon. Oh, cool! You're fighting Ripley. Like, good luck because you're not supposed to be here yet, but you just figured yourself out to get here. You know, yeah. type deal or. Uh, I mean, that was kind of the interesting thing I did like about Metroid 1 was that you can kind of just make your own adventure, right? Uh, it definitely has a merit towards that, mm -hmm. but definitely the I've killed a boss, now what do I do? Definitely played a really big uh, role in the first Metroid. Um, something else to think about, too, is that like this game is still early Game Boy. Like, this is 91. Yeah. So, like, this is like this is like the the turning point of Game Boy games, essentially. So, like, come 91, you know, we have games that are starting to break out of its, break out of its shell. Developers are starting, are starting to understand the limits of the Game Boy and starting to understand, like, how much the Game Boy can possibly handle. Um, so, with the Super Game Boy coming out and with the development now two years in for the Game Boy, um, people are starting to understand the handheld a lot better. So Metroid definitely does take advantage of that, but also still lacks because it's just an early Game Boy title uh, compared to some of the later games. Like we have, you know, Kirby's Dreamland, which came out in 92, which even though is a shorter game, much shorter game than Metroid, still implemented a little bit more feature-rich stuff into the game compared to what Metroid had or... Mario, Super Mario Land 2, Super Mario Land 3, like those games came out much later than Metroid, which implemented more features simply because the developers knew how much more they could push the Game Boy uh, 2. So, um, although this is a 91 game very early, the developers did a, a very standout job. And even with a subtle earthquake telling you, hey, hey, time to move on to the next section of the map, was actually pretty big um, in comparison as well. So. All right, so we have the Metroids now. <laughs> yeah, we could go over all the enemies in this game, but you all know it's it's just the standard enemies from from any Metroid game, really. And again, I've, I've linked the chat to the manual. You can see all of them in there with their names. Uh, but yeah, it's just all standard metroid enemies yeah it's it's the same metroid basically the same metroid one enemies they look a little different obviously because game boy but you get the ones that like you know crawl around the perimeter of a platform you get the ones that just kind of go horizontally you get the ones that kind of do a wave around like the medusa heads from castlevania you get the ones that jump from the ceiling to the floor like you, you get your very basic metroid one enemies that take like three or four shots to kill and if you have the ice beam you freeze them you can just launch shots into them to kill them, and they drop energy balls, or they drop missiles, whatever whatever they decide to drop. So, uh, very Metroid, you know, early Metroid-esque so far. And, and in the game, like, if you're thinking, like, oh, all, you know, you only take damage from enemies, you can take damage from liquid as well, too. You do eventually get to the point where you approach, I call it lava, because that's what it looked like on the Game Boy. You can approach the liquid eventually too, and I believe the I think the liquid started to hurt you if I remember right. So yeah, um, it's just like any any other Metroid environment when it comes to that. Um, so going over the enemies is just like saying Mario has Goombas that you can jump on. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. Um, so we'll just go over the the antagonists 
of the of the game. Um, I'm just gonna go down your bulleted list because it's easier. Um, so we have normal Metroids. Uh, yeah, the ones you remember until... from the first game. Yeah, yeah, the the Metroids that look that what you remember what a Metroid looks like. Uh, those are at the end of the game, oddly enough. Again, again, um, and then we have the Alpha Metroids. Yeah, that's the which, first one you will encounter. Yeah, which aren't too bad. Um, the first, the first one that you, yeah, the first Metroid you encounter is the is the Alpha. So, name sounds a little daunting. It's just okay, whatever. It's a the first boss, mini boss, whatever you want to call it. Then you have the Gammas, which, they're not too bad. Uh, I don't, at least I don't have a problem with the Gammas at all, too. But the biggest thing with these Metroids is that you want missiles with these with these Metroids. Yeah. You can only um, hurt them with missiles in meat. Yeah, you can't hurt them with your regular hand cannon. You have to use missiles, which is cool because I feel like the game really, really sets you up for success because it actually gives you a decent amount of refill stations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at least I thought it did in a way uh, where I just didn't have much problem having a lack of missiles uh, I, up until the end I did because I didn't think I found every missile pod. So yes. when I got to the very final boss, I, I had some issue because I just didn't have everything. But for the most part, like I didn't have the issue of like, like I did in Metroid 1 where I'm like, I don't have enough missiles to fight this thing, or I need to go farm missiles for 20 minutes to go fight Kraid or somebody mm-hmm, like that. So mm-hmm. um, the game definitely sets you up more for success in this. Um, is it easier than Metroid 1? I actually think the game is slightly harder than Metroid 1, but the game at least sets you up to where you're not going to smash your head against the wall to get through it. Yeah. Um... Then you have your Zetas. Zeta? 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 Zeta, I guess, yeah. Zeta. Um, again, not a big issue at all. The same with your Omegas. The biggest thing with these is understanding the pattern of the Metroid. So, a lot of times the Metroids are going to come... Uh, I, I personally felt a lot of times the Metroids came at me pretty aggressively... Mm-hmm. But the pattern can be a little erratic at times. So even though they, they come at you right away, you know, in like a up and down pattern, if if you move a little bit in Samus, like you go to like lower down segment or a higher up segment, their pattern erratically changes and it becomes a lot more unpredictable of where they're actually going to go because of the pathing in the game. Even though some of them can go into the walls and through like temporary walls and things of that nature. Some of the, the some of the pathing to Samus is actually pretty erratic, and Samus won't be able to actually hit them at all. So you kind of have to adjust Samus a little bit to figure out like that sweet spot of where you can basically start rocking into the Metroids as they come at you. Because when you hit them, they back up a little bit. There's a little bit of a knockback when you hit them, but also when they hit you, there is a knockback as well because it's a Metroid game. So. It's a lot of finding that sweet spot, and obviously as we progress through the Metroids, the harder they actually are, 
And by hardness, I mean they're more aggressive and they take more shots to kill. So um, it's just a lot of like understanding just basically game mechanics at that point of how the Metroid reacts to Samus's location on the actual screen. Yeah. And like again, keep in mind this is still on Game Boy, so they couldn't like do these epic boss fights, of course. Like they're right. they're all more like mini bosses and they don't have that much different things going on for them at all. Like in my opinion, the biggest difference between the four of them is for uh, for the gamma ones, they have this electric attack thing that they sometimes do. Yeah. But all the other ones are basically just even though they are bigger and they look more ominous in this game, at least, um, they, they are just coming at you and you have to avoid them. Uh, they don't have much. I will say the Metroids look cool though. Yeah. I, I, th I thought the sprite work in this game, with the exception of like the, the base enemies that, you know, you just kill throughout the game. I thought the sprite work in this game was absolutely phenomenal, mm -hmm. especially when it came to the bosses and Samus herself. Um, because they could have done Samus wrong easily in a Game Boy game, right? Because you don't have a lot of room to work with in a Game Boy game. So they could have done Samus real wrong, but, like, the sprite, like, height, like, everything, like, proportionally works very well in this game. Uh, and Samus, even though being kind of, like, skinnier than you would normally see her in a Metroid game, still has a lot of attention to detail in her suit, and in her actual like animation with like her 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 high jumping, if you hold down the jump, you can do like the flips and everything else to jump higher. Like you're more like your go your transformations into morph ball and spider ball and things of that nature. Like they did a very good job with the actual sprite uh, detail to to the actual game, and the Metroids themselves look absolutely phenomenal, especially when they start to crack out of the shell or the egg and come out and start to attack Samus. Um, and the fact that the game keeps the Metroid egg there and it shows that it's cracked is even cooler, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So it leaves a lot of like atmospheric like tension there of like, hey, like this was a there was a Metroid fight here, you know, or like or a Metroid is coming up. And then when you like go into like a Gamma or a Zeta or an Omega, you can watch the Metroid. If you get if you can see the Metroid on screen, you can watch them basically evolve into this new Metroid as well too. So like, there's a lot of like really cool and rich like animation and detail uh, in the game for especially 1991. Yeah, they did an amazing job for this one. Absolutely. All right. So after you've taken out your 39 Metroids. Which is interesting in how this game does the Metroids. Because when you first start off the game, like you're pretty consistently killing Metroids throughout the game. Because there's 39 Metroids. There's a lot of Metroids to kill. Like you're consistently doing 39 Metroids. And it's 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 not a I killed one Metroid an hour later I kill another Metroid. <laughs> it's I killed a Metroid, ten minutes later I'm fighting another Metroid. That deal. They did a very nice job with that flow. But towards the end. You're like, well, I still have like 15 Metroids I have to kill. It's Metroid, 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 Metroid. <laughs> it just gets all thrown at you at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that is of course like, uh, like we said, every um, environment is is like its own kind of thing. Uh, you can kind of little bit see it in the manual uh, how it's spread out, but uh, basically, like the environment consists of just normal caves. 
but you also end up in like uh, old runes from uh, from the Chozos. Uh, Chozo, I think Chozo is already. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. As well. uh, so the Ch Chozo runes you can find. Uh, you in this one you do find where the other team landed that I talked about during uh, during the plot section, uh, but it's not distinguished enough like you can see it but eventually you end up in the nest and that's indeed where suddenly they, they're just throwing metroids at you from left to right so uh it makes sense yeah. that there are more there from a um aesthetic perspective it does yes so it's but it's it's, it's weird it's funny <laughs> yeah it's just funny how like the flow goes it's like i have 15 metroids left all of a sudden you hit you enter the nest and it's just a barrage of Metroids coming at you all of a sudden. Um, I will say, like, one of the big annoying things with the Metroids is um, the ones that shoot, like, the electric beam out of them. Yeah. Some of them are in, like, the temporary wall areas. Like, when you shoot a wall, you, like, break it down, and after a while, it comes back. There are some in those where, as you start to break the wall, you can see the outline of one, and after you get close enough, it will fly around in those temporary walls, and Samus can't hit them. Yeah, it's it's at all weird. until they come out into the open-ish area where you shot and where you can just missile them. But there are times where like you're just like this thing is right here and I can't hit it and I can't shoot it. I can't break the blocks with a normal gun because if I shoot into it, it's just gonna it counts as hitting the boss instead of the actual block. Yeah. So you just kind of you're just like at the mercy of waiting for this stupid enemy to come into the open to hit it. Um. That is probably one of my bigger complaints when it comes to fighting Metroids is that they can go into these blocks and there's nothing you can yeah. do about it. Yeah, luckily so, there's only like three or four of them. That it's only a few, yeah. but... And there's, they're tight corridors to fight into. You're not running around in those corridors fighting a Metroid. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so now after you've defeated your 39 Metroids of all sorts and ran through your barrage or your metroid army at the end you now have to face off against the queen um the queen is basically the only boss fight in the game in my opinion yeah. <laughs> like the the metroids themselves like were mini bosses mm -hmm. like prepping you for this fight yeah and there's um, also another mini boss called arachnus uh he's the one yeah. holding the spring ball like he's the only other enemy in the game that takes more than hits basically yeah. plus you fight him in a unique way you can't even shoot him uh yeah you can't just spam yeah. missiles into him yeah so um not to spoil how to fight him if you haven't uh yet but yeah it's different uh but yeah he's also a mini boss basically because he goes down pretty quickly uh but the queen that's we're not gonna that's spoil a, whole a 25 year old game <laughs> yeah you never know uh, uh. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the queen is your boss fight, and oh boy, is it a boss fight. Yeah, it uh, it takes 150 missiles to kill her. So, remember how we said those missile pods were important? Yep, those missile pods are important. Um, I think when I fought her, I had, I think, 100 and... Like, I think I had one upgrade over 150 yeah like i had like the 160 or whatever 155 160 
uh, which means I did not, I couldn't miss many shots, and I died to the queen a lot because I missed a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, um, but that that is the nice thing about this game is if you approach a fight, you can run away from it. Yep. So, unlike Metroid One, in a way, from what I can remember, like once you go into the crate fight, you're in the crate fight until you kill crate type deal. Uh, this game here, like, if you go into a fight ill-prepared, or if you're just like, oh, crap, there's a Metroid, and, like, you have to, like, you know, like, recompose yourself because you just weren't expecting it, you can literally just run away from it and just, like, recompose, restock, do whatever you need to do. Or if, like, you're mid-fight with the queen, you're just like, oh, I ran out of missiles. Crap, you know? Like, you don't have to die and spawn wherever, you know, you're going to spawn. You can just be like, all right, peace out for a little bit. I'm, I need to go get some missiles, uh, which was a, a huge uh, a huge thing to understand in this game. Uh, when, I, when I first played it, I just died because right. of Metroid. Um, but uh, understanding that I can just run away from a fight was huge to know. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's very nice that they did that for the Queen as well. Um and I don't think in any other Metroid game you can do this. You're always locked into a boss fight, so this is the only one where you're able to be like, oh, wait, I, I just have to go. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try and do it again without dying. Uh, because even though there are plenty of save points in this game, they're all pretty far away from the point you need to reach, uh, usually. So it's it's nice to have a way to just escape Uh in, in that regard. Um, yeah, dying in this game, just like in any other Metro game, sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun to, uh, to there, there's there's no good there's no good point of dying in, in a Metroid game, in any Metroid game. Uh, if you die you're you're exploring again for another like twenty minutes to get back to where you were. Uh, at least especially in the older Metroid game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this game does uh, have some very cool thing, just like uh, Weapon actually says in uh, in the chat for people who are maybe looking at this live or on video later on. Um, yeah, this is, I guess, the first time that they put a quick kill in a Metroid game, um, and it's on the final boss in this case. Um, somehow I did this without knowing about it when I first played this game when I was a kid, so I was just messing around. But uh, yes, if you do want to take down the queen normally, you can, and it will take you a lot of missiles, which uh, which takes a long time to fight even, um, and you still need to have enough of them, or otherwise you're going to have to go through the entire game again and look for those hidden missile upgrades. Um, but there's just a way, way better way to fight her. Um, the moment she actually bites you, you can shoot her, she will freeze, and you can just morph ball into her mouth and into her stomach and bomb her from the inside, which was absolutely amazing to do. <laughs> like, I found that out as a kid, and I was like, whoa, this is so awesome. <laughs> and it's incredible that they put this in this game. Uh, yeah. I uh, I definitely did not do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely did not uh, did not do that. Yeah, 
I definitely fought the queen normally. normally. Yeah, that, that it's like a five minute fight or even more. It was long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you do the <laughs> if you do the other methods, I think you have to be eaten. She does spit you out, I believe, if I remember correctly. So you have to do it three times. Um, of course, you do need the other upgrade in this case. You do need those energy tanks because you are inside of her. She is using her stomach acid to fight you. So you do need to be able to survive uh, that way to fight it. But it literally takes 20 seconds. Well, right, well, you know, if I uh, ever decide to play Metroid 2 again in my life, <laughs> I'll remember that. Yep. Uh, no, no promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that's really cool that we're doing this live is that people can actually see the box art now. Yeah. Like so, right. like we're about to talk about the box art of of the game, and people can actually see the box art for. Metroid, which I'm pretty stoked for. Um, the box art for this game actually is interesting because before I dive into this, if you remember on the NES, there are two label variants for the Metroid. There is the yellow variant, and then there is the gray box variant. And the gray box variant shows off the pixeled portions of the game like it shows samus and her big scuba suit basically in pixel format and it showcases some of the enemies in a pixel format in the background of that nes gray label but in the nes yellow label it has samus squatting down with a hand on the ground and her hand cannon pointed up in the air which is interesting because on this box art it's almost that exact same pose. Almost, yeah. Almost that exact same pose. Um, so in this, going from bottom to top, we have Samus squatting down, but instead of her hand going to the ground, her hand is on her bicep, I guess you can call it, uh, with the hand cannon shooting up. But there's something cool about the hand cannon and the rest of this box, which I'll touch on in a second. But Samus is, like, standing on this, like, desert plain with, like, mountains or, you know, what's, you know, whatever you want to call them in the background. Like, dunes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, definitely not in a cave. Like, the game kind of depicts itself. Yeah, it's basically um, where she landed on the planet. Uh, yeah. But you don't see her spaceship. Oh. Right. But as we go up, from the hand cannon is like this smoke. And in the smoke is like basically underlining the word Metroid. Um, so yeah. it allows your eyes to flow very nicely into the title, which is big and bold right in your face. Uh, Metroid in a bright yellow font. Two in Roman numerals behind the T and the R. And then underneath that, Return of Samus. And the return of Samus is a part of the numerum, the the Roman numeral two. It's in the bottom part of that of that line. Mm -hmm. um, and as we go up higher, there's a nightlight of stars and sky and everything else. Um, I just think it's really interesting how, like, in the foreground they have Samus 
but with the smoke, like as you follow the hand cannon, it leads right into that title sequence, which I think is one of the better flowing box arts I think we've had in a while. So, and the cool thing about the title too, like Metroid Two, is that like it's something you would see in a cartoon. Like it's it's not cartoony in a way that it's cheesy, but it's it's big and bright in your face. Like it's very much early '90s like cartoon title. And it's very prominent right there. Like, you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's also, like, a, it's a very, very detailed uh, image as well. Because, yeah. like, just... She basically looks like Iron Man, really, from, indeed, a, a comic book. But, like, when it comes to details, like, you can even see the reflection of what's in front of her uh, in the visor of, of the helmet. Uh, yeah. which they sh they didn't need to do. It could have just been like a normal uh, reflection on it, but you can actually make out some of the environment uh, just from the reflection on the visor, which is really cool. It's it's, it's a really well done drawing of Samus. Yeah. A really cool thing to have as a poster, uh, which probably is available somewhere. I, probably, I guess. Yeah. yeah. If not, I'm sure someone has made a, a fan-made version of the of this as a poster. Yeah, <laughs> but for sure. but those can be sold, so I I, I don't know. Uh, well, at least not legally. It's let's, legally. Let's, let's just yeah, say it it's like the it. internet. They can do uh, whatever they want. Because it's Nintendo. You know how they don't like people <laughs> using their stuff for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. Spe speaking of that, <laughs> going into... The trivia portion of another Metroid 2 remake. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, most people will know this exists, but if not, um, somebody made a fan game called Another Metroid 2 Remake. Uh, they actually named it that because there were already a lot of them out there, and uh, uh, it was just a fun title to call it. Um but yeah, this was a really, really, really amazing uh, remake. I, this is actually my favorite version of Metroid 2, to be honest. Um, but Nintendo saw that it got released because it got a lot of media attention, uh, mostly thanks to Kotaku, because they always do that and they keep on doing it with every like fan-made game. Uh, with a Nintendo property, and then it gets shut down immediately because uh, you are not to, you are not allowed to distribute Nintendo property. Even if you're not asking money for it, you just can't do that. So um, yeah, this this is, in my opinion, the best one uh, out of three of them because there's another remake. Um, from Nintendo themselves. From actual yeah. Nintendo. Actually from Nintendo called Metroid Samus Returns, um, which is on 3DS. Um, and yeah, the, the weird thing was nothing was known about this actual remake by Nintendo until the fan remake came out and then they had to let people know they, they were actually making one themselves. Um, yeah, I don't like that one that much. Um, it's okay for sure uh but it has the same issues as dread and 
well. Oh, so a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> it, it's good. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I don't know. For me, the fan remake is way better. So technically, you cannot get that game anymore. Technically. Technically. Uh, but there are, of course, ways. And uh, besides that, like a lot of people have put some more effort into the game, did some bug fixes and things like that. Originally, the game was in 4x3 format. Now you can play it at 16x9 uh, format, um, which is the version I recently replayed. And yeah, it's, it's just an amazing remake that does everything you are missing from the Game Boy version because they couldn't do that, but they are put into the game. So it, it it's even more atmospheric and uh, all the, the environments look different. It adds actual boss fights. All the Metroid fights are actual boss fights in this one. Yada, yada, yada. It just improves a lot upon what, uh, what they made with the original. Yeah, I've never played the remake. I I think I've watched people play AM2R. I definitely watched people play the licensed remake. But I've never played... I, I never played the remakes. I own the Samus Returns remake. I was mad because the European people got the Steelbook Game Boy cartridge. Uh, true. I didn't get edition, that one. And Americans did, did not, and I was very upset about it. And I contemplated ordering one from... Britain, England mm -hmm. before Brexit, and then <laughs> yeah, I didn't because I didn't because because yeah, <laughs> Brexit because it's expensive <laughs> to order things from Europe and get it shipped to America, and I don't like Metroid that much, so I wasn't yeah. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to pay that much money for just a dumb steelbook, <laughs> <laughs> but I do own the game. I've never played it, but I do own it. It's one of like the five three DS games that I own. <laughs> so yeah, I know you wouldn't um, enjoy it because it's basically like Tourette. Well, yeah, and I probably would hate yeah. it then. So, um, as a general reception of this game, the game was well received. It still is well received. Um. The original is more well received than the remakes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I, <laughs> can you imagine? So that's just telling on how how well they did the remake. <laughs> now, again, the remake is totally fine. It's it's just not the same. That's all there. That's why they call it a remake, isn't it? You know, it's not a remaster. It's a remake. It's a remake. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's the difference. Um. Yeah. Like I've never played the two, but you know, I finally I finally got to play this. So, but uh, yeah, I definitely would not like to re remake if if it's like Dread. But uh, yeah, general for general reception, the game was well received. Uh, sold a decent amount of copies as well too, because Metroid, Game Boy, and heavily marketed with the Super yeah. Game Boy. Heavily, heavily marketed with the Super Game Boy, uh, although not. Super Game Boy Enhanced, uh, it does have the colors to help it out. So, um, Anything else you want to add to this section? Otherwise, we're going to take a, a short-ish break. No, that's about it. I think we, we've covered the game pretty well. If not, I'm sure somebody will let us know. Uh, 
but yeah, that, that's that's about all we can say about the game. Uh, we will go into our more personal, subjective thoughts about it, I guess, uh, after the break. Uh, but yeah, that, I think this is as good as an overview you can get of uh, of Metroid Two for sure. Cool. So yeah, we'll take a quick, short break. When we come back, uh, we'll start with our memories and experience with the game. Uh, both are very different, I promise. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So, thoughts about the game. We'll start with you, Mo, since you actually like this game, and judging by what you wrote, you actually have a bit of a history with this game. Uh, I wouldn't say that, really, but I just you wrote more than uh, I did. Put a few so. notes, notes on here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, I did actually not have this game when I was a kid, but I borrowed it from a friend. Uh, after I got the Super Game Boy, actually, because I had that book and I saw the screenshots of it. Uh, and I, I had no idea what Metroid was. Uh, I'd never played the NES one either or anything like that. So um, this was my first one. And I absolutely loved this game, uh, mostly because it was way different than anything else I had played so far on Game Boy. Because I, like, I played Tetris, I played R-Type, I played, uh, like, Super Mario Land. And, and those are all, like, quote-unquote very short games and, and very, um, like, cute games, or even. Like, like Kirby's Dream Land or something. It's just, like, a very cute game. And this was, like, totally different. Like, uh, I always grew up watching like horror movies even though i was way too young for them and things like that so when i played this this immediately gave me that like uh weird feeling from the start of the game even with that intro song basically putting you like right in the correct atmosphere for playing this and you're so closely tied to the the screen that you totally immerse yourself into the world and yeah I know the new one is called Metroid Dread, but this one has more dread in it than, than anything from that new game. So I really loved it. And I didn't get that feeling again uh, from playing like a horror game until uh, Silent Hill Origins on PSP because it was basically the same deal. Like me in my bed with my PSP in the dark uh, playing a, a scary game, really. So. Um, yeah, and I'm also really glad this was the first Metroid game I ever played, because if I would have played the NES one before this, I would have lost complete interest uh, in ever playing any of the other games, in my opinion. Uh, because, yeah, I played the, the original one way later in my life, and I was like... <sighs> I, I really do, do not like this game very much. It's it's way too complicated for uh, what it is and, and way too hard for what it is. Um, I do think that this game hasn't aged super well, um, especially because I feel the controls are kind of finicky from time to time, um, especially the jumping in the game 
doesn't always work the way it's supposed to work. Like, there's a lot of times where you're trying to do a high jump or, like, even a space jump, and it just doesn't work, and you fall straight down. And there are a lot of really long vertical, um, like, sections in this game where, where you really need to be on point with, uh, with the jumping. Um, and, like... This, the same thing goes for maybe people who play this game now, uh, especially if you've played later ones from Super Metroid onwards. Like, again, this game doesn't have a map or anything that shows you where items are or where you've been and things like that. So that might be off-putting for sure for, uh, for people who haven't checked this game out. And in that case, I do recommend playing another Metroid 2 remake. Then you just get the best of both worlds, uh, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much what my thoughts and the history uh, on this game are for me. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> um... So my first Metroid game was OG Metroid for the NES. Uh, I had it as a kid. I had the the gray label as a kid. I actually didn't know a yellow version existed until I was like twenty five. Um, then I bought one for five dollars. So I'm I'm just curious at how much that label is worth now. So, um, because Metroid collecting is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I knew Metroid Two existed for the Game Boy as a kid. Because I, I enjoyed Metroid 1, but I was really I was really picky on Game Boy games. When I because like Game Boy like I didn't have many Game Boy games growing up. So like I had to be really, really picky on them. So I would choose games that I knew about, so like what friends already owned. Cause like we didn't really borrow each other's games growing up either. Uh just the nature of just how my friend group was. So what we what we would do is that we would you know we would play them at recess. You know we would swap at recess and then give them back at the end of recess. Um, All right. And then that's how we knew if we wanted the game or not. So like I had like Super Mario Land three. Like I knew I wanted it because I played it. You know because a friend owned it. Um, you know, there were exceptions like Pokemon, for example, right? Like when Pokemon came, I was like, I want to have Pokemon. But uh, of course, yeah. right? But for the most part, like what we what we what we had was just we swapped games at recess and be like, I want, and you could never beat them at recess. So we want them to play them and beat them. So um, none of my friends had Metroid Two, and. It being a Game Boy game, I figured it would be very different than Metroid 1, which it is, but in, in a good way, obviously. Mm. So I, I just never never bought it. I knew it existed, but I never bought it. Because I, I remember seeing it in a, in a, in a, in a Nintendo Power as well. Um, although I wasn't a subscriber to Nintendo Power, when you're a 91, when you're a six-year-old kid that walks into a, a Kmart or a grocery store, there's like a big rack of magazines... And one of them happens to be, you know, like Gamer Pro and tips and tricks and stuff like that. You're right. supposed to buy the magazine to read them, but as a six-year-old, you're just gonna walk up to the magazine rack and read them. Like, yeah, like who's gonna <laughs> stop you? No one. Um, so I remember seeing this game all over the place. It was heavily promoted in 
magazines, like heavily promoted in magazines, um, especially Nintendo Power. So, knew about it, never played it until until last week. Uh, I never played Metroid 2 until last week. <laughs> so, um, I watched, I've watched Mo play the game multiple times. Um, I've watched people play another Metroid 2 remake many times. I've watched a few people play the Metroid 2 license remake a few times. Um, I've watched speedruns of Metroid 2. Like, I watched, uh, uh, Behemoth and McFly and, um, Cool Kid a long time, a long time ago. Like, I'm talking, like, beginning of my Justin TV, Twitch TV days. Um... Like I've watched people speedrun the game. I've just never had the interest to play it. Uh, simply because I lost I lost my love for Metroid for how bad like the series like deviated. So like the last Metroid game I played before Dread was Super Metroid when it was released. So I still have my, my childhood copy of Super Metroid. And I loved Super Metroid. And then I played the next Metroid I would play after that was was Other M, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which I hated, hated. I played it for 45 minutes, hated it, to the point where <laughs> I threw the disc back into the shelf and I actually unattached my Wii. Um, oh, my god! I did not like Other M <laughs> at all. So I never played, I, I really I, like I never played a Metroid game it. since. Um, so my last real Metroid was Super Metroid. And then when Metroid Dread was announced, I was like, I'll give them, like, okay, this looks a little bit like Super Metroid. You know, like, I'll give it a shot. So I gave Metroid Dread a shot. Uh, hated it. Uh, <laughs> absolutely hated Metroid Dread. And I was like, and then Mo was watching me play Metroid Dread on stream, and he goes... Yeah, we're gonna do Metroid Two for Game Boy for this is Game Boy podcast. I was like, oh. as I'm struggling in Metroid Dread, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I literally procrastinated playing Metroid Two to like the last minute. Uh, played it last week, and there were a lot of parts I didn't like about it. Um, the space jumping is atrocious. Uh, yes. <laughs> the space jumping is really bad in 2 which I expected it to be bad in Metroid 2 because it's a Game Boy game I just I don't know why like I love Game Boy but I just inherently expected it to be bad in Game Boy and it was bad in Dread so I guess it's just a bad skill in general um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, like I hated this. I hated space jumping. I'd be like, I'm like, you know what? I'm at the apex of my jump. Why aren't you letting me jump again? Blah, rock to the bottom again. It's like, cool. I can't wait to scale this again. Like this is dumb. Oh, and then a spider ball, and I randomly get hit by something. I just fell thirty feet because if you get hit while in spider ball form, you just fall. Um, yep. So, <laughs> and there's no defense when you're in spider ball form. It's just you're oh you're open to attack. Um, so like, oh, I spent 10 minutes getting on the ceiling. Hit, fell. Cool, I'll spend another 10 minutes getting on the ceiling because if you kill the enemy and come back, it, it responds because you left the screen. <laughs> yes. um, so <laughs> I, just, I got mad about that. Um, the hidden paths I expected, but they were 
some of them were just so weird, like placed in weird spots. Because mm. um, like Hidden Past, you know, they exist in OG Metroid. They super exist in Super Metroid. So, you know, like, obviously I would expect them to exist in Metroid 2. But, like, where I would expect them to be, some were, and others were just in this weird, like, offshoot area that I would just, like, never expect to look. And I'm just like, why is there a tunnel right here? Like, this doesn't make (laughs) any sense to have, like, a hidden tunnel at all. And then, like, there's one part where... Like, the screen is covered in blocks that you can just jump and fall through, but you just have to know what block that you can jump on. Like, there, I, I, I don't remember what area it is, but, like, it's, like, I don't know, like, half-ish maybe through the game. And you have to find a Metroid in this area, too, mind you. So, like, oh, as yeah, you're yeah, falling, like, you, there's, there's yeah. this long fall, and the screen is covered in, like, this rock texture block. But none of it is actual, like, platform except for a couple mm. of them here throughout. But you don't know which one that you can jump on until you sort of start jumping like a maniac and happen to land on one. And it's just like, why? Why can't you just distinct the one rock from the rest of them that I can jump on? Like, why does this have to be a, a, a damn mystery? And then you get hit by the Metroid <laughs> and knocked down. And the Metroid doesn't follow you. It just hangs out at the top the entire time. So you have to climb back up the damn space room again. And, oh, God, some pieces of this game just <laughs> drove me nuts. Um, <laughs> it, it drove me insane. Um, what other part? Like, I actually really liked the way that it saved and did the refill stuff. I actually don't like it when the save rooms do the recharging as well, too. Because to me, that just kind of defeats a lot of, like, a lot of, like, the atmosphere from the game. Because, like, in the, like, you want to feel, you want to feel like there's danger in the game. Like, that's the point of a Metroid game. Like, when I played OG Metroid when I was a kid, like, I very much was, like, I I watched the alien, alien movies as a kid. Again, we grew up in a very different generation where... You know, a five-year-old could watch Alien 1 and 2 and be perfectly fine. Yep. But, you know, like, <laughs> so, like, I remember watching Alien and Species and all those other movies growing up. And I remember playing Metroid 1 and being like, wow, this is really, like, Alien, in a sense. Um, had the same, like, atmosphere to it and everything else. And Ripley and Ridley, you know, well, you know, they're pretty pretty similar, pretty similarly named. Um but, uh, and that's what I don't like about, like, the recharge stations is that, like, there's, you want that sense of, you want that sense of danger in, in these types of games because they very much derive from, you know, things like Alien and Species and other space-bound horror-inspired books or movies. So when a, when a room is your save and your recharge, like, that kind of takes away a lot of that danger uh, element to it because you just do everything at one shot meanwhile like you save but you maybe only have one missile you're like oh i need to f- figure out how to get missiles or oh i need to figure out how to get health like there's a danger element still to it like yes you saved but there's still an element of i can still die right here like i need to be careful yeah um, which i did appreciate about metroid 2 quite a bit um i also liked the atmospheric music in metroid 2 as much as i just rip on the music 
in Metroid 2. <laughs> like, the music itself wasn't meant to be banger OST. It was very much meant to, like, put you or, like, immerse you into Xebius. So, or Zebes or whatever the hell yeah, it's absolutely. called. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, as Archery as 38 in this case. Yeah. So, I, I understand, like, the concept of the OST and why it is the way that it is. Um, I just, I do wish there was some music. I do wish there was some music from Metroid 1, because a lot of music from Metroid 1 does get carried throughout the entire series. Um, like, the, the theme of Metroid 1, like, that is a very well-known song in the Metroid franchise. Um, there's just a lot of songs in general, and I wish they kind of used a little bit of that in Metroid 2, just to give you a little bit of break from the teep, teep, bing, bing, bing noises the entire time. <laughs> but I do understand where they were coming from with it. Um, graphically, I thought this game was really good, but I wish it had more color to it. As much as I liked the yellow and red, like, Game Boy coloring scheme that it like the the Super Game Boy coloring scheme it gave it. There's you could have done a little bit more with the Super Game Boy color palette, and I get it was very early on, but I wish they would have gave it a little bit more color depth to it, because after a while, like, it hurts. Um, <laughs> after a while, it hurts a little bit to look at, um, because there is a lot of attention to detail in the game, and I think that attention to detail could have been pushed even further with. A little bit deeper color palette, so uh, especially if you're on play yeah. it on the Super Game Boy. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I forgot to mention uh, with my thoughts. Like they do their best to make all areas look distinct, but they could only do so much right. on Game Boy. So in the end, everything does look very samey. Yeah. Um, and I, and I and yeah, I that, that's just Yeah. And I get that it would look look the same on just a regular Game Boy, right? It's going to be green. You know, it's going to be one one of four shades of green. I understand that. Yeah. But uh the Super Game Boy had so much more that it could do in terms of palette, right? So if you're going to make a default palette, like try and make a default palette that maybe enhances a bit more of the detail. Uh, of of the game, yeah. Um, other things that don't—that's definitely why you should use the ones in in the Super Game Boy yeah. book. Um, I only used one because, in my opinion, that was the only one that actually looked good. But like, if you follow the quote unquote guide in the uh, in the in the Super Game Boy book, like they make you change the palette for every section you go to yep. so it, it gives you that feeling of being in a different area but some of them are they're real bad absolutely ugly <laughs> so I, I don't even want to change to them but yeah and like why would you want to I change mean, your palette every time you go to a new area like why would you want to do that yeah it, it, like it's i just understand too, too. like i, I understand yeah. why but like as a player like i'm gonna yeah, be so immersed in this game i'm like i'm not gonna remember to hit L and R and change my palette, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah. There, there is one of them that I know that is in there that the colors of the environment and, and the gameplay are really cool, but the hut with with everything on it is literally not readable. So that one is like, why would I pick this one? But yeah, it's it's a cool concept, and I like that they because that's the only game in the. 
in that book that that is like so varied like hey you can use this and this to make it look more like that and it's a really cool concept for sure yeah, yeah. another thing i thought was weird with the game is that when you kill a metroid instead of it going from like 20 to 19 or 19 to 18 right away it's just there in rolls for like <laughs> five seconds and then it goes down then it goes down one number and it's like you already know how many metroids are left why do we need to have this like roll for two seconds like just count it down like there's this is unnecessary um <laughs> yeah it, it was it was unnecessary yeah it is yeah. um and the other thing i don't like and this is a general metroid dislike is i don't understand the story to metroid at all like i just don't i don't get the lore period i'm not going i'm not even going to respect the lore because i just don't understand it <laughs> in that every time Samus goes to a new planet, she magically loses her power-ups. Her power-ups are attached yeah. to her suit. Like, how is she losing her suit every time she goes to a new planet? She's not, because <laughs> she's in the damn suit as soon as she gets out of her ship. She's not naked. Unless you put in a code, she's not, she's not wearing you know normal clothes. She's wearing her suit. How is she losing her power-ups? I, I don't I don't understand why I have to get new power ups every time I play a Metroid game. It doesn't it's never explained. Like she lands on a planet with her ship and then now she has to figure out how to morph into a ball again? Like what the hell? It does get explained, but it's it's like always in the manual or something. There's always some reason she loses her power ups. Um so. Does she change her suit every time she goes on a new mission? She's like, ah, today yeah. This mission doesn't doesn't she want does this get suit. A, I'm gonna she does get an upgraded suit, suit yeah. yeah. Oh man. It's not always the same suit at all. Yeah. It's dumb. It's my yeah. biggest it complaint. Is, it, it is dumb, but it is a video game. It's like the same with Mega Man. Like, oh, he got all these power-ups from these robots, but in the next one, uh whoops, uh I don't have those anymore. Ma Mega like, Man's explainable. He's a robot. <laughs> so they, they can just wipe his memory. Right, they can just plug oh. a USB stick in and be like, "All right, let me just re-download that data and just like wipe you real quick and let just let you go." <laughs> like, Mega Man's yeah. explainable because he's it's a robot. Samus is an actual person in a suit. <laughs> You're taking way too much of it. it. It's the same like the start of Kingdom Hearts three, oh, that game's uh, a where mess. it's like, <laughs> where, where it's like. Oh, um, I've done all of these things. I just did whatever happened in Dream Drop Distance. I don't remember anymore. And and then Yen Sid is like, oh, so uh, you forgot all your abilities. You have to redo it all again. It, it's just dumb, but you have to start from nothing. Otherwise, it's it's not a fun game anyway. So. Well, I mean, I'd be fine starting from nothing if they would just explain why I start from nothing. Don't put it and in a damn do manual. They do explain it in Metroid. Don't put it in a manual because I'm never going to read it unless i do a podcast <laughs> episode about it <laughs> oh boy i don't know like i don't know that's my biggest complaint with just metroid in general is <laughs> is just that my other complaint with metroid 2 well not met, met not metroid 2 but metroid as well is although i think they do very well with the environments in their games i feel like the environments are almost always recycled um, oh yeah, it's the same themes. Yeah, sure. like yeah. it's the same theme over and over and over again. Like, 
I, I love what they do atmospherically. Like even Dread, like as much as I hated that game, I really enjoyed the atmosphere of 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 Dread, with the exception of those goddamn Emmys. Um, I love the atmosphere of Dread, but even in Dread, like it suffered the same fate as every other Metroid that I could remember. Is that the areas were similar to one another, like. Metroid 1 to Metroid 2, like, I can just, even though, like, the, there's a color difference, obviously, I can distinctly tell, like, this is very similar to what Metroid 1 had. This is very similar to what Super yeah. Metroid had. Like, they're very, like, interconnected at that point, but I wish, like, you're going to these different planets. Like, how do all of these different planets look the same? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> yeah. Me- Metroid is easy. It's Gave Zone, uh, Water Zone... Lava zone, <laughs> yeah. Temple zone, and mechanical zone, and it's always light in every one of them. Like that's just how it is. And there always has to be this huge vertical section in a Metroid game too. It, there, it has yeah. to be like you just you have to have a huge <laughs> vertical section, whether it's space jumping in the old Metroids or 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 sparking in the newer Metroids. Like, you have to have a huge vertical section. It's just, it's it's law to have that in a Metroid game. Um, <laughs> it's the trope. It <laughs> it's law to have it in a Metroid game. You have to have it. If you don't, you <laughs> broke the law. Um, yeah, that's thoughts and history of Metroid for me. I, I want to like the series. I really do. Like I love alien movies. I like that entire franchise I, I adore. Even even the bad movies. Um same with species, but like I just like for Metroid, like I love Metroid speedruns, but I just I don't like Metroid games casually. Like even the newer <laughs> Castlevania games I have a hard time playing. Like Aria Sorrow, for example. Like the Castlevania games right or like the, the the metroidvania games i just have a hard time playing because they bore me super fast i hate <laughs> backtracking in video games hate backtracking in video games like my number yeah, one for, pet peeve in a video game perfect. backtracking <laughs> yeah i love all of those uh not to be named genre games <laughs> like that was the thing with like aria sorrow i was like i went into this hallway 4200 times like why do I need to go in this hallway 4,200 times? Like, why? Just, like, open up a door so I can just move on. Like, oh boy. It, I, I, I just, it, and, like, it's, it's just not my cup of tea. Like, this, this genre is just not my, not my, not my style. Like, I know Mo likes these, these types of games. Mo loves Absolutely. these types of games, I, and I know that. But for me, like, I'm one of those people that is, like, I don't mind it for, like, the first hour, but after like hour nine of seeing the same goddamn hallway, like I just don't want to see it again. Like I just want to like there's got to be more to it. So <laughs> yeah. this is how I. Well, am. luckily this is the only game on Game Boy that, that is like this. That's so, true. It is. Uh, well, no, Night Quest you... is very similar as well too. It's an RPG. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like open world games, which is, you would think is bizarre because that's all I see the same damn tree 4,200 times as well. So, but, uh, I, I think it's just the type of gameplay as well too. Cause like it's a platformer adventure game, but yeah, I'm just seeing yeah. the same platform over and over and over again without rhyme or reason, except just to go through it because the game makes me go through it. Um, versus like an open <laughs> world game. Like I choose to go that path because it's the fastest path there. Right. So. 
Right. Yeah. yeah, there we go. There's our, there's my rant about Metroid and how much I <laughs> want to enjoy the series but can't because of weird, deep thinking of the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean... Well... Look, make a game that makes sense and I might like it, alright? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> make a game that makes sense and I might like it. <laughs> yeah, Assassin's Creed doesn't make sense. Brew. It's my favorite franchise, but... <laughs> For all of you homebrew developers, if you ever want to make a Metroid-styled game, please explain everything. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to make a sequel to a game where I lose my powers magically like explain why i lost my powers magically like is it amnesia like is it early on you know is it early onset you know all timers like what's going on here like why can't why can't stannis remember what the hell's going on how come she can't remember to form into a ball after she's done it 42 times previously like how does she lose the ability to her like i just get so mad at that kind of stuff make it yes make it skippable I just, I get so upset with that with that with that kind of thing. I don't know why. I don't know why I do. It just it makes me mad. I'm like there is there is inconsistency in the story, and I'm upset. <laughs> Even though I will never read the story and will never remember the story, but the fact that I know there's an inconsistency in the story, I am upset. It's it's like Kirby, for example, oh, right? Legal. There's so much inconsistency with Kirby. You read the Kirby mangas. Kirby's a goddamn psychopath, but yet you play the Kirby games, he's the nicest thing in the world. Yet, even though he was eating <laughs> Waddle D since 1992, and Nintendo came out and said Waddle D's his friend, yes. like, like, why am I eating my friends? Like, I don't understand. There's so much inconsistency in Kirby as well, too, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> oh boy well there there was the red for this episode for sure <laughs> oh I, I thought we were escaping it but no no there's no escaping nope. rants <laughs> it tastes like chicken pointy chicken because they have spears Ugh. um but yeah no there we go what do we got left now oh yeah we got outro stuff now Oh no, we got speed yeah, run, the yeah. small like thirty second speedrun section. It's been a while. Well, you know more about the speedrun than I do. Yeah, I, I just know much. we had it in the first tiny ten, uh, where we only played up until the first earthquake. And I actually really liked doing that because it was like seven minutes to get there. It was really fun. I uh, but I don't know much about. The, I wouldn't say I know a lot the about run. the speedrun. I know a bit about the speedrun. Um, so the two major categories, I guess, is any percent no out of bounds and 100% no out of bounds. Um, both of which are held by world record person behemoth 87 from England, who has been the world record holder for ever in this game. Uh, he did get contended by Metroid McFly for a while. Um, and then McFly stopped speed running. But they uh, they both had a back and forth for a while for record because uh, I know uh, McFly came in pretty hot into this game after OG Metroid because uh, mm-hmm. he was doing trilogy runs um, he was doing Metroid Metroid Two Metroid Metroid Three I guess Super Metroid Super <laughs> um, there is a one hundred percent category record by uh, C Scotty W 
and a low percent, again, held by Behemoth. Uh, the game does record RTA and in-game time. So just like every other Metroid game, this does have an in-game timer as well. Yep. Um, any percent world record for this, I'm just going to use RTA time because it's easiest, is 51 minutes, 58 seconds. So for a Game Boy speedrun, this is long. This is a long Game Boy speedrun. Typically, yeah. a Game Boy speedrun is around like 15, 20 minutes. Um, well, it is a pretty lengthy game because it's, it's yeah. right up there with with all the other normal 2D Metroids, to be honest, uh, yeah. lengthwise. Right. Um, 100% no out of balance is 55 minutes, 55 minutes, 59 seconds. So not too much different from any percent, probably because you still need to get a, a shit ton of missiles. Um, so like they're probably just deviating for the health power-ups in the spring ball. And uh, 100% no out-of-bounds. Yeah. 100%, this is with out-of-bounds, is 56 minutes, 10 seconds by C. Scotty. And low percent, low percent, 1 hour, 14 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh, low percent is you must only collect the following items. Bombs, ice beam, and one energy tank. <laughs> wow, okay. That sounds super scary. Yeah. So, low percent sounds brutal. Uh, it actually, low percent sounds like ice beam any percent in OG Metroid. So, <laughs> which is not easy. Uh, there isn't any percent category with no runners. <laughs> okay. Um, even the category rules aren't even flushed out. So, I'm assuming they may oh. have found something crazy with the game and don't know what to do with it yet. That's uh, because like the game is still actually pretty actively ran by Behemoth and C. Scotty. So, um, in terms of <laughs> tools, if you do want to speedrun the game or learn to speedrun the game, there isn't any percent tasks for this game. Um, that the task is actually pretty damn cool to watch, and there is a Metroid Two Discord server as well. You can find that information on speedrun.com slash m2 slash resources. Uh, m 2 being Metroid 2. Um, as for guides, there are a handful of guides out there. Uh, there's some no out-of-bounds beginner tutorials uh, created by... Who was it made by? Flipside 208. Uh, these are fairly old, like two years old now but uh, at least gets you an introduction into the, the speed run. Um, it teaches you how to do fast fall uh, technique in the game. So instead of like jumping off of the edge or walking off the edge, you can actually uh, do something where you can like kind of like corner yourself onto a platform and make your make Samus fall faster. Uh, so it makes the falling down vertical segments a lot quicker. Um, and then there is, a one from Behemoth himself who went through and gave you room strategies, um, throughout the game. So, uh, there's, like I said, the, the, the guides that are there are very helpful for beginner speedrunners. So, again, if you're interested in the Metroid 2 speedrun, speedrun.com slash M2, if you want to check out any of that stuff. Um, available platforms is 3DS Virtual Console, Super Game Boy, 
Super Game Boy 2, obviously. Game Boy Player, GBI, uh, the, the, the Game Boy interface, and obviously Game Boy. So. Fleshed out speedrun for sure when it comes it to is. Game Boy. Oh. It is a very fleshed out speedrun. Yeah. Um, okay. What do we got here? Pull up the notes again here. Blah, 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 blah. Community events now. Yeah. All right. Community events. I, this, this is my part. This is my segment. That is definitely your this part. Is, yeah. This is my segment. I need to pull up Discord for this. Because I have important things to talk about via RGL. And they're somewhere in this DM and that are lost right now. <laughs> First and foremost, oh, Mo's gonna be frozen because I don't have him focused. Oh, well, at least he's not making a dumb face. So there we go. <laughs> Hopefully, I can see him. You're you're back. You're not making a dumb face anymore. <laughs> All, All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> we have RGL's Retrothon. That's right. Retrothon is coming back in 2022. Submissions will open today i believe after this after we are done airing this episode so uh yep. submissions will be open from today until february 20th and the marathon will start april 16th here at retro gaming live tv um other things we have going on Well, actually, it's opened up now, I guess, Yay. because Anne said that we had to had to post the link in chat when we announced it. So, uh, if you want to submit, there you go. There you go. And then we have we have more. We have more. I have to find it all right now. Yeah. Okay. We have more. So the staff at RGL. It's putting on RG RG Love 2022. Uh, it ranges from, oh God, hold on, everyone, hold on. I gotta stretch out a window. From the 13th from, until. <laughs> I had to stretch out a window from February 13th through the 20th, and that schedule is available now as well too. Um, a lot of banger games in this schedule as well. I'm actually really excited to uh, to watch it. RGL also oh, Burger Time Deluxe. Oh my God! RGL also has a Burger Time Burger Time Score Knockout Tournament February twenty sixth, and a Bomb Squad and Television Knockout Tournament March twelfth. There we go. There's some upcoming events as well too with RGL. Also, we're getting into marathon season again, boys and girls. We're uh, we're out of the holiday oh, sure. season now, um, very much out of the holiday season. Uh, not video game centric at all, but I do know Power Up with Pride is doing a board game marathon, which is actually or a tabletop marathon rather, which is actually a pretty interesting concept. Uh, it's not speedrun focused by any means, but uh, you can get to watch some people of that community play tabletop games. Which is something that not many people stream at all, uh, so it's actually pretty cool to pretty cool to hear and pretty cool to watch. I'm actually excited to to watch some of that. Um, ESA Winter 2022 is coming up. 
February 12th, if you want to watch that. That is the European speed speedrun assembly, so the European version of GDQ, basically. Um, so February 12th, go ahead and watch uh, ESA Winter. Mid-Spring Speed Fling 2022 is happening April 1st through April 3rd. This is an on-site event for a comic book convention um, in the area that I live. So um, Mid-Spring Speed Fling is put on by Midwest Speed Fest, which is a small group of people in the speedrun community in the Midwest of America, so Minnesota, Wisconsin, etc., uh, that get together and put on a three-day weekend um, marathon for charity. And um, this time they are making it an on-site event. So obviously there will be some protocol to follow since uh, the world isn't back to normal yet. Um, right. <laughs> unfortunately. So, and with that, I think that's pretty much all I have for marathons. Obviously, GameStunk, if you're into the GDQ stuff, GDQ is always doing something all year round at this point. Uh, between Hotfix and Frame, was it Frame Fatals? Frame Fatals. Um, mm-hmm. the, the new speedrunning, the, the getting, getting into speedrun show now, I believe it's called. Uh, they have a lot of segments out there now. If you need a a speedrun kick as well too, along with Retro Gaming Live TV, always putting stuff and content out there as well too, with you know various different uh, console raffles and streamers streaming various things as well too throughout their library and other things. So definitely not a lack of retro or speedrunning content out there, especially nowadays. It's crazy. I remember my days on Twitch and Justin TV. It was hard to find anything retro because you couldn't capture anything <laughs> retro, unless you had a crappy dazzle sure. that you couldn't you couldn't see three pixels in front of you on. <laughs> look where retro is now. We can emulate hardware with a computer and make it look pixel perfect <laughs> without any blurring, um, <laughs> and capture anything. And there's knockoff consoles to let you connect things HDMI and not run accurately as well. It's great. I love the retro yep. world right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I covered everything marathon related. I, I think. <clears throat> if not, it'll be in the next episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, our the, the, cl- oh, the closing. This is my favorite part. Because it's always consistent. Um, I need to scroll up in the notes to remember how to do the, the, the outro. I didn't do the outro right in my light at all, and it was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do we ever do this right? That is all right. That is the next piece question. is listener questions. Well, we don't have any, so that's are you easy. sure? Uh, have you read yeah, chat? I did read chat, like the, the ones that came up, we did actually, uh, like answered. But not like immediately, if that makes sense. So indirectly uh, answered them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, that's fine. We didn't get any on our Discord. So uh, we got a lot of cool memes on Discord, though. That is true. Always the memes on Discord. I do like your GIF, though. The baby. 
Um, I, I like that. <laughs> I love that lot. video. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that, those little shorts. Um, yeah. Especially the Kirby ones. The Kirby ones. The Kirby ones are, right. ones are so good. Kirby, and the Mega Kirby, Man Kirby, ones, Kirby. too. The Mega Man ones are funny. Um, anyone in the Retro Gaming Live TV chat have any questions about Metroid or the podcast? Because this is our first episode on RGL TV. Uh, or any questions about your two wonderful hosts so far? If not, we can definitely move into my favorite part of the podcast, <laughs> which is just talking for like 20 minutes straight without breathing. Right. <laughs> no, I think we're good on questions. Otherwise, we can always talk about them later. Then that's like true. Just ask to edit them in. <laughs> Not my problem. True. All right. <laughs> Take that, legs. Um, <laughs> um, all right. I got to stretch a little bit for this one. All right. Thoughts and suggestions are always welcomed for the podcast, whether you do it in our Discord, that this is Game Boy Discord, whether you're going to DM Molegs or I, come into our Twitch chat. Just don't be mean in my Twitch chat because I'll probably end up banning you because I don't time people out. Um, <laughs> I just ban people. It's easier. It's less drama. Like if I if I time out a That's person, true. they can come back in like 10 minutes and just be a, be a dickhead again. Or I can just ban them and they just can't talk ever again in my chat. So... Um, <laughs> it's just easier to ban people. <laughs> um, so if you're going to be mean in my chat, either expect me to throw it back at you or just ban you depending on my mood. <laughs> and Mo knows how mean I can get to, so. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, uh, tw Twitter us, Twitter us, tweet us. Twitter us. Man, I'm a boomer after that one. <laughs> tweet. You can tweet at us. You know, we're we're pretty responsive on Twitter. Uh, legs might not be, but Mo and I are, in a way. Yeah. Um, otherwise, um, you can find me, eBloodyCandy, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, I guess kind of TikTok, I guess. I made one TikTok of me being disgusted at a person. So uh, you, can, you can watch me be, be disgusted at somebody. Um, and, uh, yeah, where can they find you, Mo? Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram, all with the same thing, the name you can see on screen maybe something did you put it no there? i sure didn't it because uh, but it's in the title here i know but it's moola which is m-o-e-l-l-e-u-h for all four of them so that's that's easy i was wondering why I was, like, when i put this thing i was like why aren't the names up there i'm like ah the icons are good enough whatever <laughs> just finished i was like whatever <laughs> yeah i just good. i just didn't put it on the layout because text i like to leave out that's of fair the yeah that's mostly. two less things i had to put on the screen uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you can find our awesome producer, Sprinty Legs. Uh, Sprinty Legs on Twitch and Twitter, Legs on YouTube, and then her her um, project website, www.sprintylegs.com, which is where you can also find the Game Boy manual database that we have been working on. 
Uh, if you go to, I forgot what it's called, gbmanuals.com, you will be presented with a list of Game Boy ma or list of Game Boy games with a search functionality that you can search for your Game Boy game. And if we have a scan of the manual, you will be able to download the manual in a PDF format. Most of them are probably going to be in English, uh, but we do have some foreign language uh, formatted manuals as well from the European region and some from the Japanese region. Yeah, um, we're always looking for the ones we don't have. So yeah. if you do have the opportunity and the manual available yourself, um, feel free to scan it in and you can submit it through that website. Yep. Uh, I think we have like... 25% of the manuals on Game Boy right now. Uh, With manuals. There's there's still plenty to submit. And even if, if it's just a different version of the one that is there, I mean, anything is uh, so much appreciated. Gray carts were almost at 27%, and then black and gray carts were at 22%. And right. just an idea of what I mean earlier when I'm scanning manuals for legs, all of these manuals right here, we don't have in the database. Um... Yeah, so it's a pile of manuals that we don't have yet that I'm slowly <laughs> scanning through. So yeah. there is definitely still a lot of work to be done. And uh, Lakes is going to see this video and give me a very angry emote in the DM probably about that giant pile of manuals I still need to scan for her. <laughs> yeah, but to I'm be done. fair, I'm I've submitted manual manuals and she hasn't approved a single one yet. So I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I've done my job so far. Um, <laughs> Me too. I scanned Wizardry 3 manual, which was like 62 pages. All right. Like, I've done my job. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, okay, so we have other things now. So we have a Patreon, which we need to rethink yeah. a little bit. Um, now that we're doing episodes on RGL, but we do have a yeah. Patreon where, uh, if you want to support us monetarily, you get access to behind the scenes, like bloopers and other things, uh, our notes, uh, you get a premiere, you get an early premiere of our haunt hunter, um, series. Wait, I, couldn't think of, I couldn't think of the word. You get a you get a you get a, a sneak peek premiere of the Haunt Hunter series, which is uh, Mo and I playing as or playing horror games. Um, right now, the bunker is in the early act or early release premiere right now, which is a post-apocalyptic game where you're stuck in a nuclear bunker and you have to decide whether to leave or not. Um, point-and-click adventure game. Uh, the most recent release was Pony Island, played by <clears throat> Mo himself. So, uh, very, yeah, very cool. That game. one is publicly available. That one is so, publicly available. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have other pieces of the Patreon, but I'm not going to say them because we need to rethink them <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We we used to have the goal to do these things live, but. Because now we're RGL now asked us to do them now live. We we're just doing stuff. them live. So, so yeah. Um, oh, I do. I think you get a you get a store discount code too, don't you? If you're a patron. 
Uh, or was that a one-time thing? We I don't have remember. Tats, but yeah. I don't remember. Uh, there's stuff. I mean, I'm pretty sure the code still works, though. There <laughs> so, you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it while it's hot. Uh, <laughs> right. If you have Patreon's not your thing because everything in the world is subscription-based, get it. I hate subscriptions as well, too. We do have PayPal. The only thing with PayPal is if you do go through PayPal, please let the one of three of us know so we can thank you. Because PayPal doesn't tie into literally anything video game related unless it's donations. Um, there's no like good hooks into Discord or anything at all. So please let one of us know we want to thank you, give you rewards, things of that nature. Uh, obviously, oh, we're not done with the money piece yet. We have a merch store. We're going to keep selling out here because this is what we do every every podcast episode now. Every <laughs> We're going to keep yep. selling out until we can't sell out anymore. We have a merch store, merch.thisisgameboy.com. I always forget that URL where you can get yourself a shirt and a mug. Uh, every once in a while, we do have like limited edition shirts that do pop up. We had one last July with the launch of the merch store. There this it is. one. The launch of the I'm merch. not wearing it because I, I literally just washed it, so I wow. wasn't gonna put on the same shirt again. But yeah, this is the limited edition one. But because it like, has a little if cartridge. It's not limited it. edition. Just yeah. this card is gone. That's that's it. Yeah, you don't get the little Game Boy cart. You just get the Game Boy. Yeah. With the microphone. And yeah, the the design is by me, but the the actual logo is by Man was by Man Over Mars. Man over Mars yeah. Who made, who made it? Yeah. Um, I, if you look right here, because I'm not going to get up and get it, right there where my finger pointer is, that's the coffee cup. I was very adamant on getting coffee cups. And uh, yes. I, I won the war, and I was correct to put them up. But uh, we do have we do have the merch store. The shirts are actually pretty nice, not to super, super sell out. The shirts are kind of nice. They're not like the super off-brandy shirts that you would get from like other type of resellers. They actually use shirts like Haynes and Gildan, so yeah. at least reputable yeah, names um, uh, to print onto the shirts. And the screen print lasts. I, I've washed my shirt probably ten times by now, and my my screen print isn't cracked or faded or anything. So it's a nice yeah, print at least. Still, still the same. And I had to I had the prototype shirt actually. So wow, sell that on eBay yeah. for millions. <laughs> retro podcast yeah, prototype cool. t-shirt starting t-shirt. bid five hundred dollars <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're good shirts <laughs> all right we're done selling out um yeah obviously money yeah. isn't everything and a lot of people don't have money especially right now with the way the world kind of is um, listening to the podcast is huge support enough. Like, I don't even know our numbers are anymore, but we've get, we've gotten to the point where like, we've very much excelled past numbers that I would ever expect us to ever achieve as a Game Boy niche podcast. So, uh, that started on SoundCloud by three people that had no idea what the hell they were doing. Um, <laughs> so. It's true, man. Yeah. Yeah, ju- just a random thing, but like, I think we started in July or something, right? Something uh, like no, June, because I literally left. June, okay. I literally left for SGDQ 
after episode one. Oh, yeah, true. Episode zero, true. I literally yeah. left for SGDQ, like, that next <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, I, I was just looking at, like, the random stats on SoundCloud, because those are the only stats we can actually see. And, like, the first quote-unquote year of the podcast, or half a year, I guess, like, was 700 listens in total, something like that. And we already hit that after three days with the previous episode yeah. this year so that's like <laughs> yeah. an amazing difference and, and now people are watching us live well hopefully uh, and, I, and i mean that's yeah. just soundcloud <laughs> but, like a lot we have we actually have people that listen to this on apple Podcasts because we have reviews on apple Podcasts, even though we never we never promote apple Podcasts. <laughs> You know, and then like there's well, it's in our on our website, right? And then, like yeah. there's Stitcher, and like yeah. there's so many like there's so many podcast episodes and apps out there that pull from an RSS feed, which is how they pull from SoundCloud is via just an RSS feed. Yep. So there's so many other avenues to listen to this podcast that we just either a don't know about or b just don't have the manpower to figure out <laughs> figure out how to do yeah keep, figure keep out track off yeah yeah so um. So yeah, again, listening to the podcast in itself is super, super supportive because if no one's listening to this podcast, I have other things I can do on a Sunday afternoon. So, um, <laughs> like sleep until three in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah, I literally have to go to bed after this. True, <laughs> true. Um, Leaving reviews, so comments, reviews are really nice as well too. Especially like Apple Podcasts, like we have two reviews on Apple Podcasts that are five stars, um, because we have very soothing voices and know what we're talking For about sure. every time we go onto yeah. uh, the microphone. Um, so we had, you know, leaving a review is super helpful even if it's a four star i'm cool with a four star review even like the above three if you're gonna put a three star just don't even put a review i don't want to hear it uh, <laughs> <laughs> i do want to hear it but it's not on the website <laughs> oh boy um what else we got um hanging out with us in discord like we actually had some pretty nice conversations in discord uh, it doesn't have to be Game Boy centric or the podcast at all. We've talked about homebrew games, creating Game Boy games, sprite work, new st- like new stuff. At, like we've talked about a little bit of everything. So come hang out in Discord, chat with us. We're friendly for the most part. Um, really cool community. It's a quiet community, but it's a really cool community. Everyone's super nice to one another. A very knowledgeable crew as well too. So, um, and uh, yeah, and you can find all of that information. And more on thisisgameboy.com. Yeah, to make it easier. So we talked for 20 minutes just to say go to thisisgameboy.com, basically. That's how the outro that, that's usually goes. That, that's the outro, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, what's our next episode? Oh, you chose. I have to choose our next episode. You definitely have to All choose right, the next let me episode. Pull out yeah. the Game Boy list here. <laughs> find it. Um, so yeah, we, we don't have a dedicated channel on the RGL Discord because we thought we didn't really need it. But so if, many. if you people really want one, you I mean, yeah, if you guys want one, we, we can, can make we one. can make it's one. Just, like, have, it's, it's no problem. I have a Discord dedicated to the podcast and another channel in the Monochrome City Discord dedicated to the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, if like we can always do it. If, if people want it, we can. We can certainly do it. Certainly yeah. do it. Um, let's see here. What genre haven't we done in a while? <laughs> that is a good. I did Parasol Henby for the light. We've done Fortified Zone. We haven't done a platformer in a while, have I mean, I might light episode, I guess, but... <laughs> we can do Wizardry 1. <laughs> Never gonna happen. <laughs> you you can bring in another guest for that, like I had to do with Battletoads. <laughs> Battletoads? What I have nothing good to say about Wizardry. Garbage game. Um, we did, we've done Maru's Mission. We've done Ninja Gaiden with Enemy. We've done the Bonk games with Lat Mackey. Yeah. We've unfortunately have done Moldmania. <laughs> we did Donkey Kong 1. We could do Donkey Kong 2. Already? That's All right, we're not going to do Donkey fast. Kong 2. I mean, we, I, we, I don't care. But... No, no. Fate's already had it. Ooh. What are your thoughts on the Blues Brothers? I don't know if we want to do both games at once or just one at a time. I have thoughts. I, I also have thoughts. <laughs> I have thoughts about them, for sure. I definitely have thoughts about them as well. Yeah. Have you done Sumo Fighter? Have I we done Sumo Fighter? I don't even know if we've done an episode. If we haven't we done have, an episode haven't on Sumo Fighter, we should do one on Sumo Fighter. Uh, yeah, okay, that's probably better, yeah. Alright. Next episode right. will be Sumo. With Mo and I, will be Sumo Fighter. I don't know what Mo's light's going to be at all. Same. Uh, yeah, even Mo doesn't know what his light... I don't even yeah. know what my lights are going to be until like a week after, a week before I record them. So, <laughs> so yeah, the next time you thoughts. hear from Mo and I, we're going to be talking about Sumo Fighter, which it's a game you don't you wouldn't expect based off of the title. I, pr I promise. As the original speedrunner of this game, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're in for if you don't already True. know it. Yeah. Alright, with that, thank you all for watching our first live episode on Retro Gaming Live TV. Uh, and those of you listening via YouTube or podcast application episode, thank you for listening to another episode of This Is Game Boy. And uh, we will see you again shortly. Ta-ta. Yeah. See you all later.
You want to know another one? I know a few Metroid jokes, but they're not very good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>